Welcome to another edition of Irish Illustrated Insider. I'm Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley from Irish Illustrated. We are joined by two special guests today, Kevin Sinclair, also of Irish Illustrated, and Tom Loy from 24-7 Sports. Notre Dame signs 24 players, a consensus top 10 class of 2023. Before we get into, and I and I do, I literally, I do want to talk about the elephant in the room, and then let's move on and talk about the Notre Dame class, but... Tom Loy, you're you're dialed into what's happening with Peyton Bowen. He picked Oregon over Notre Dame yesterday. It got a little bit more complicated over uh, over the night. And um, tell us what you know, Tom. Yeah, I, at this point, I expect it to be Oklahoma. Um, I don't know when it's going to be. You know, when this is going to be released or when he's going to announce his what would be his third decision, uh, or if the school he chooses ends up just announcing it. But yeah, I mean, all the intel. Late, late last night, early this morning, it's all pointing towards Oklahoma. Um, they have a bunch of optimis- optimism. I think the staff has even taken to Twitter to kind of throw some some tweets out there, some subtweets and things like that. But yeah, uh, got kind of crazy. Um, obviously, we expected Notre Dame to be the decision. He was telling everybody it was going to be Notre Dame. Uh, he was FaceTiming commits that morning, uh, yesterday morning, and then did not pick Notre Dame, as we all know. And that was surprising. Obviously, the day went on. He didn't sign his uh, letter of intent. I'm sorry, he signed it, but he didn't send it in. So that didn't really matter at that point. And then he was telling people, and I reported this at Irish Illustrated, he was telling people, um, you know, at Notre Dame, how sorry he was and how apologetic he was. And, you know, he, he didn't mean to do that. And, and one source even said that he told them he wanted to be at Notre Dame. On the flip side, I was told he was telling people at Oklahoma the same thing. So, <laughs> you know, nothing, nothing too different than we've dealt with for a very long time with this young man. Um, yeah. So I think it's good, but I do think in the end, it's going to be Oklahoma. And Tom, last thing about that. I mean, you're, you're pretty dialed into to the, the pulse of the Notre Dame football office, just your impression of their reaction to, I mean, at, at least up until, uh, until yesterday when he, when he picked the the uh, Notre Dame hat up and set aside, and and then uh, verbally, verbally, literally, verbally committed to Oregon. Just what was your impression of the of their reaction to all of this? Yeah, I don't think their reaction is probably safe for work, but um, they were they were disappointed. They were they were just flat out angry um, because they felt misled a, a lot of the time, and it was just very. Um, they were disappointed in how it was handled. They left that, and we obviously dropped that scoop about the in-home visit Sunday um, that was allowed by you know NCAA and and the the loophole they found, which was good on them. Um, they left that visit feeling very very good about their chances. Um, again, another strong indication that they that he was coming. And then Wednesday came, and he is now likely going to be a Sooner. It seems twenty four signed, sealed, delivered. Nobody else, correct? Uh, as of now, no. I'm not expecting anybody. Yes. Obviously, things could change by yeah. February, but yeah. Well, things could change by the time this actually airs on Irish <laughs> Illustrated. True. So we're we talking about Notre Dame commit here. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. By the time this airs, he will have verbally committed to Texas at that Colorado point, so. picks him up. Big pick Colorado, up. Yes. Yes. That would be a possibility. Kevin Sinclair, uh the well, actually the four of us were involved in a in a rating, a ranking um of the recruits. Kevin, let me start with you. Just um what you think the highlights of this class are um, and is it a legitimate top 10 class in the country? 
Yeah. So for me, like, uh, you know, looking at the needs, in my opinion, is always really important. And going into the class, um, I thought that the the most pressing needs were quarterback, receiver, and defensive back. I felt like quarterback, we all know why that is. Receiver, you know, they needed three or four in the last class. They ended up with only Tobias Merriweather. They needed numbers and impact talent receiver. And then defensive back, they just recruited defensive back so poorly for so many years, 2019, 2018 through 2021. Obviously, last cycle, they got Jaden Mickey and Ben Morrison, but they didn't add any safeties. You know, there's a lot of older safeties on the roster now. So I just felt like quarterback, receiver, defensive back, super important. Um, I really like Kenny Minchie. I, you know, All-American Elite 11 finalist. I ranked him, I think, the highest among all of us uh, in our ranking the commits. And then at wide receiver, I just think, you know, Chancey Stuckey's got to be the recruiter of the year among the assistants. I think they're, they're just the kind of guys that Notre Dame didn't get under Brian Kelly, you know, um, Braylon James, Jaden Greathouse, really good high four-star receivers out of Texas, Caleb Smith, Rico Flores, kind of guy you just didn't really see during the Kelly era. And then I think defensive back, you know, losing Drake Bowen, or, sorry, losing Peyton Bowen, huge blow, of course. Um, but, you know, Christian Gray, highest ranked cornerback they've signed in over 15 years. Um, Mike Bell, another All-American, love a Don Schuler. I think Brandon Hillman, I think you really got to work him at safety now that lost Peyton Bowen, Ben Minnick, a really good sort of nickel defender. So I really like and why I have a pretty positive outlook on the class as a whole is because, you know, I really like how they, you know, attacked those priorities, how they filled them losing Peyton Bowen. It's a really brutal blow, but, you know, they got the numbers and I think they got some really good talent, those needs. Tim O'Malley, I know that you have spent quite a bit of time here recently, especially looking at at the 24 recruits and, and a couple more. Um, just what stands out to you about this class? Who do you not necessarily sleeper? I don't know. Who do you who do you want to talk about that you think is is noteworthy? Well, you can definitely say sleeper because it goes back to the best position group, which is the wide receivers. Um when Caleb Smith is your fourth wide receiver, and I think he's the fourth best wide receiver, but I think he's a sleeper in this class. I, I definitely rank him fourth. I know some people might have him higher, but that's that's your number four. That's impressive. And over the last, I don't know, 10 years, you figure 2013, they had four receivers that I think people really liked with Fuller Robinson was a sleeper back then on Walu and Torrey Hunter Jr. And then 2016 with Claypool, McKinley, and Stefferson, these four have a chance to meet and exceed those groups now obviously will fuller makes one group a lot better but the problem is somebody from this group i think is going to ascend to that fuller claypool range as a college wide receiver so what do the other guys do and uh i think i was highest on rico flores out of all of us i just love his uh i I don't like it when we say route running because it's easier to run routes against guys that can't cover those routes but i like his polish as a wide receiver um and I know the upside isn't the same as Braylon James, but I love his polish as a wide receiver. Yeah. So I think receiver stands out to me, but what really stood out was you figure there's nine position groups. They didn't touch special teams, you know, specifically in this, I think seven of the nine position groups were very well recruited and it would have been eight with safety uh, with, with Peyton Bowen, obviously losing Peyton Bowen hurts that. And then maybe Brandon Hillman makes up for that at safety. Yeah. Tim and Tim and Kevin, I know that, I mean, I think we're all very high on, on Brandon Hillman, uh, but Tom, I want to go to you because 
you have him rated the highest and I have him second highest. I, I think, I think there's a lot for Brandon Hillman to learn regardless what position he plays. It won't be quarterback and it's probably going to be safety. I think we're all in agreement with that, but um, just if you could express what you think, I, what'd you have him? I think because of the loss of Peyton Bowen, I think you have him fifth. Yeah. If yeah, they're six in the class and you know, yeah. all that rating stuff is, I force you guys to do all that stuff. And it's very, very subjective. How do you compare an offensive tackle to a cornerback? I get that, but we're very high on Brandon Hillman. What are your thoughts on him? Yeah, I'm, I'm a huge fan. And, uh, you know, they, 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 they love him. Notre Dame loves him. There's a lot of schools that liked him. I know USC was making a run at him. Um, there, there was a lot of schools that liked this kid and he was definitely under the radar. I'm glad, you know, 24 seven ended up making him a, uh, mid-tier four-star and who knows maybe even goes up even higher because there's just so much like about the, that kid but yeah definitely a safety um, obviously he could grow into a rover or whatever but I think there was a little gamesmanship there when Peyton was still trying to finalize things and you know what you know it's kind of made it seem like a mystery what Hillman was going to play but they see him as a safety um, but yeah there he's just he's he can do it all um, he runs well he's very athletic I lo- love the fact that this kid can play safety for you one down and then go play quarterback the next or play running back or maybe even play receiver. I mean, he is really one of the better athletes I've seen uh, across the country. I know Sinclair was really high on him as well, which, which uh, helped me with my confidence and and just kind of adds to it. So I really think he can be a difference maker at safety. Uh, I think he's a guy that when you look back on it, no doubt it's a tough blow with Peyton Bowen and, and he's a freaky kid, just a great football player, but if you're going to replace him with a guy and it, it's Brandon Hillman, um, that loss is not as significant as uh, it may have been with just maybe Schuler and Minnick. I think Hillman's skills are as good as anybody in, in this class. Now, I think the learning curve is going to be huge. I mean, we talk about safety, you know, the Kyle Hamiltons that can adapt right away. Of course, he had the skill set, too. I mean, it just it it's just it could take a long time. We see how long it's taking for the light bulb to fully go on with, with Watts and, and Henderson on the back end. Now they've had to transition from a position that they were, they were already learning at, at Notre Dame. And I think Hillman's going to have to go through the, the same thing, but I love the skill set. Yeah. Peyton uh, was and the, it, day, the day one guy. Peyton was that guy. Yes, for sure. Like he's the skill set you're talking about and you're right about Hillman. It's going to take some time. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I had Drake Bowen rated. Well, first of all, because of, those that dropped out, I ended up Jaden Greathouse ended up being my, the number one player for me. Now mm-hmm. uh, I look at Drake Bowen. I love Drake Bowen. I, I think he's been a little bit underrated in the process because he's been committed for so long. Uh, but I think I look at Jaden Greathouse as the receiver that can make the immediate impact. But again, you know, we're talking about route running and and coverage recognition and all of those things that you don't really have a great idea until you see him on the practice field and then get some feedback from the coaches. But I love Drake Bowen. uh, And and I think that he's an impact player. I don't know how soon, obviously, because it's a very crowded house at linebacker, but really think he's a, a a very, very, um, very good prospect for Notre Dame. Bubakar Triore. I've been saying Treor this whole time and I see Notre Dame's pronunciation is, Try our way, and I think it's going to take us all a little bit of time to learn that uh, and commit that to memory. We ungalale, we ungalale. It took me a while to get that one. 
That's a that's uh, a hint for everybody listening. You have you better get that that name down, right? Oh boy. I'm, I'm still <laughs> failing on that name. I I can't get it. Yeah, uh, and I've done that as well, especially when the camera's rolling. But uh, Triray, I think is I think he's got a chance to be really really special. You know, mm-hmm. we talk about the guys at Notre Dame loses, and of course we're always going going to remember Peyton Bowen. But the guys that Notre Dame took from other schools, uh, Triray being one of them, Kenny Minchie being another. Help me out with some of the other guys. Um, it would have been it would have been uh, Dylan Edwards as well. Yeah, I mean, Chris Tarek was one. Chris Tarek, yeah. KK Smith is the like Caleb Smith, him. yep. And Armel Armel, I think you said Mookum, yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, I mean, I yeah, I think uh, I think Triaray has a chance to be really really special again. How long does it take? I think I think Brennan Vernon's a little bit underrated again because he's been committed for a year and a half. Uh, Tom, again, I, I think you and I are on the, the same page with, with Caleb Smith. We had him ranked a, a higher. I don't know how to read Tim. I know you love Rico Flores and I, and I see what you saw, especially from his junior to senior year. I guess my concern there is catch radius, but maybe you get a little bit too caught up. Maybe I get a little bit too caught up in that sometimes. Cause if you get the football in his hands, um, you know, he has a chance to be uh, a physical, a physical receiver that can do some real positive things. Tim, who else do you like? And maybe you can go in further about Flores. Back in Flores, the uh, catch radius, I think, can be kind of overcome by the ability to get open as much. Yeah. You know, it's you're not always going to be you can't always have a Deion Colsey and Tobias Merriweather for your catch radius. <laughs> that's that's ideal. And I also sometimes you look at Tobias Merriweather and this 24 seven, I know, has to do this as part of their um as part of their evaluations, where they could say he projects to a whatever day NFL draft pick. Sometimes it's just good, like for these guys like Flores to project him to being a really good Notre Dame football player. One of those things before you have to worry about where he projects as a draft pick. But yeah, I like the, the thing I really take away from this class is I went back and uh, I tried to use no hindsight and look at the number cutoff, kind of like a line of demarcation in each class where I thought, all right, I really like these 10 guys. I really like these many guys. And going back through up to, th- I didn't do 13, but going back prior to thir- going back to 13, the lowest was the Kyle Hamilton class. I only had eight. This doesn't mean I was right. I mean, I was like, I was wrong. J.D. Bertrand was not on my eight. So I, I mean, I was wrong. There, there's ways of, this is pre their careers. I only had eight in 2019. I had 16 in this class. Where I think oh, wow. to myself, this guy's going to be good. This guy's going to be good. This guy's going to. Before I kind of look at someone and say, yeah, you know, I don't know. It's going to be hard for him to. It's going to be hard for him to get through. It doesn't mean they're not good players. It means it's hard to start at Notre Dame. Yeah, Just and because I, I, you I come think... in doesn't mean you're starting at Notre Dame at guard. There's a lot of other. There's a lot of competition before you and after you. I don't know that I would say 16. I, I think I could comfortably say 13, and yet. I don't have Cooper. my norm looking all through is like okay. 12, 13, 13, 10, 10, 8, 9. Well, that's three years in a row. That's not very good. 10, 8, 9. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've, I've got another, I've got another way of looking at this. And, and I mentioned this in our <laughs> message board the other day. I, whenever I, I look at a recruiting class, I look at it, break it up into three groups. So the top third, the middle third, and then that bottom third. And that middle third, if you look through the Kelly era, is usually like your low four stars and your high three stars, right? And it usually was made up mostly of like high three star recruits. But if you look at the middle of the pack of this class, it's, you know, Kenny Minchie, Boobacar Tra- 
Triore, sorry, uh, Sullivan Absher, Rico Flores, Cooper Flanagan, Brandon Hillman, Adon Schuler. Those aren't high three-star recruits. Those are potential big impact players. And, and I think that's your point, Tim, is, you know, just sort of deeper in that, well, this guy looks like, you know, a, you know, a guy who could win a starting job and, and make an impact right. at Notre Dame. Yeah, my 16th was Cooper Flanagan in my ratings. Just to well, that's what, that. That, was my, that was my point of bringing it up. I was going to bring it up to you, Kevin, because I know that you really like Cooper Flanagan, and I have him 15th on my list, and I feel like, mm-hmm. you know, that's a little bit unjustified. I, there, I, a you like couple the other of, guys, too. It's a good thing. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, a couple of the him. other guys, um, you know, I we can talk about offensive line here in a little bit, but it's it's really difficult to elevate some of those offensive linemen ahead of, you know, yeah. like a, like a Flanagan, like a Tom, you and I, I think are the highest on Sam Pendleton, Tim, you're the lowest, I believe. And I think, I think you have to catch the right film and some of the film that I saw down the stretch as I was uh, making my ratings of Pendleton was very, very positive. I thought he showed good footwork as a pass blocker. Um, what do you, Tom, what do you like about Pendleton? And let's go ahead and throw Flanagan in there too, because I think when all is added up, I think Flanagan's probably a little bit underrated in this class. Yeah. So Pendleton was kind of like different. I had seen him at the underclassman combine a year ago, back in January. And I mean, he walked in the room and we're sitting there doing interviews. I'm like, who is this dude? And I mean, he looked, he looked like a monster and, you know, Clemson was on him, NC state, North Carolina. And he had said at the time, like real interested in Notre Dame, but not hearing anything. All right, cool. Kind of fast forward. So I was kind of, he was on my radar then he, he was great that week too. Like, or that, that day at the combine, it was really good, stood out to me and then kind of went through his process and um, liked him. Didn't love him. I kind of was talking to Brian Doan about it was fine with the three-star ranking uh, again, kind of fast forward, like the senior tape looks good. Um, I'm, I'm more high on him than I was before. And then that's where it kind of like, I was like, look, I'm not going to ever consider myself the greatest O-line evaluator by anything. So I'm going to reach out to a couple O-line coaches across college football that I know reached out to them. And they said, um, they said biggest sleeper in terms of offensive linemen in the country. Um, like Notre Dame, I, I, I know obviously they love everybody in their class, but they said, this is the guy that you guys flat out missed on in terms of rankings. Like he's going to be an early contributor, all this kind of stuff. So I'm like, it was good to see that, like, you know, all these coaches are raving about this kid and are high about him, high on him. So um, that kind of pushed me up from like where I was like, maybe like 16, 17 to like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to take a flyer and trust people that, you know, I respect a little bit more and move them up to 13. So one of the things I'm I'm interrupting you because I asked you about Flanagan, but one of the things about Pendleton I, I, I even put it in our, in our rankings. I, you know, it looks like sometimes he's going against children in high school and that, that can certainly alter an opinion about a guy, but. That was uh, Jack Kaiser too, right? That was Jack Kaiser as well. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Definitely. Yeah. I, you know, when I first heard that Clark Lee wanted to take Jack Kaiser, I'm like, is that, is that really necessary at this point <laughs> of the process? A one, a player from Indiana of all, of all places. And we've seen what he's capable uh, of doing, but Tim, I want to go back to you because I think you had Brennan Vernon 
rank the highest among us. I could be wrong on that, but but I think no, that's probably how I not me. But I, I like Brendan Vernon a lot. Okay, um, well, yeah, I, I loved in this in my today in today's Thursday thoughts that some of the comments. You know, we're talking about Peyton Bowen and what he's doing with the hats and stuff like that. Then you then you hear and see comments by Christian Gray and Micah Bell the, yeah. the way he's talking about football. And Brennan Vernon, I loved it. You know, he he signed, he announced, and what does he say right after that? I haven't done anything yet. I mean, just flat, I haven't done anything yet. I got a lot to prove. There's a lot to work. I got a lot of work to do before I go to Notre Dame, which is June fifth, I think, is what he said when he'll he'll check in at Notre Dame. But I I think there's a, you know, part of it is we don't know exactly what position he fits at, right? And the other part is he's been committed for a year and a half, but. I think he's a really good football player. I like the way he's – I like his head. I like where his head is. And, um, and and I think he gives them a little bit of versatility. They'll have to decide whether it's strong side end or, or three technique. He's so strong and violent and just seems like he's going to grow. He has almost grown into three technique. I, I feel like he could be quick as a three technique guy. And on the strong side, he would really have to be great at holding up against the run because I don't think he would be as quick looking of a player on the strong side. I like Khalid Kareem was still quick and big on the strong side, but usually guys, I mean, just think back to Riley Mills at the beginning of this year. He just all of a sudden, even while we projected him to have a really good year on the strong side, they've already kind of moved him back inside. I feel like Vernon is Priester. I think you wrote this once. He looks like he starts for Ohio State when you watch him on film. He looks like a guy that starts for that would start at Ohio State, which is a pretty big compliment for defensive linemen. Um, and I also think when you said he arrives, Tim and June, he's the Josh Adams of this class. When on day two of camp, they go, "Oh, we hit on that guy." Yeah, I, I he's think the one you're just going to know he's good. I, I think there's a great chance uh, of that happening. Now, I had uh, Jay Nosbury rated a little bit lower, and what concerns me, Kevin Sinclair, is position size. Uh, you know, Tim, you, you made a comment that uh, I think about him, that he's undersized, yeah. but, but uh, Matt Bayless will take care of the rest. I believe that, but I think sometimes it takes longer than we anticipated. Kevin, what are your thoughts on, on Osbury? Yeah, Osbury, <clears throat> you know, first thing that, that stands out about him is just his speed, you know, that sideline to sideline speed. Very, very good. You know, when he was a freshman, he was actually a cornerback. They had an injury at linebacker, plugged him in there. And he's just a kid who, you know, smarter than every other kid on the defense. He's a really good instinctually, very, very well coached at that program. Um, so I think he's going to have a step up probably on the other linebackers when he you know, arrives at Notre Dame, just in terms of like learning the playbook and the scheme and that he is undersized. However, there's quite a few linebackers that are that come in to college around that six foot two ten range um, and have plenty of success, you know, so not that long and rangy linebacker, like, you know, Notre Dame's been signing quite a few of uh, in recent classes like Preston Zinter or Nolan Ziegler. Um, but he is a special athlete. And I think in nickel packages, passing downs, his coverage ability is outstanding. I think he, he might prove to have almost like safety caliber, coverage skills and we heard Al Golden mention yesterday in the podcast I believe he said something along the lines of he could be a good like sort of sub linebacker sub package right, linebacker right. passing down so maybe he um, finds his niche that way and potentially early but what I'll say is just to sum it up like very very smart 
heady football player with great speed and cover skills. Like that's, those are the special components of it. But yeah, we'll see if the lack of size hampers them at Notre Dame. It's tough to say. Yeah. Tom Loy, um, my concern, in fact, when I go back and look at the film review that I did on Jeremiah Love, I'm like, whoa, easy. Uh, I'm so concerned about him showing a level of physicality. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's not all 80-yard runs and, and dodging and darting through the secondary. It's getting to that second level. And yet, when you see, I mean, when you see the athletic skill and the the uh, the avoidability of his game, it's very, very impressive. What do you what are your thoughts on Jeremiah Love and your concerns about the level of physicality for a running back. Yeah, that was my, I mean, that was my biggest concern as well, because I saw a lot of his tape and a lot of the times he'd be running on the sideline instead of like embracing that contact or like a Kyron Williams, like want to run over a dude, even though you're more likely going to get knocked down, he would just kind of slide outside and, you know, step out out of bounds and kind of dip out. And again, if you're just trying to, you know, an argument can be made, he's just trying to stay healthy don't worry about the contact what's a couple extra yards going to do and kind of move on but um I saw that over and over again so I was like maybe maybe he's more of a a wide receiver mentally and physically and not a running back so maybe that's where Notre Dame's going to use him but they were pretty adamant like we like him at you know we like him in the backfield and that's where dealing and those guys are going to want to use him so but overall skill set I mean the guy makes plays um, it was a quiet night when I watched him in Indy and he had still had three touchdowns over 100 yards and it was just like, he looked bored and it, it's just, he, he, he's gliding out there real smooth. Um, but that night I did see him embrace some contact, look for it. And it was kind of a nice, nice surprise. I guess you could say, um, uh, he's just fun to watch, man. And I, I, I know our guys at 24 seven are really high on him. They're currently having ranked where he'd be a second or an early third round pick. Uh, I guess they had a third round pick, but because that's how they do things. But to me, I think he could have a terrific, if, if that contact isn't an issue, man, behind that offensive line, I think he could have a monster career at Notre Dame. Let me, for, for the older Notre Dame fans, and we'll remind you of, of, of a running back at Notre Dame that was kind of similar. He wanted to hit the home run all the time. His name was Ricky Waters, and he finally learned how to, first by playing some receiver, well, running back, then some receiver, then some running back, and he ended up having a great career. And while we're on running backs, Tom Loy, uh, let's jump ahead to the you talk you I, you brought up Kyron Williams and made me think of Aeneas Williams in the class of 2024. You hate to make comparisons to a guy that just had a brilliant career at Notre Dame that just finished, but how do you not look at Aeneas Williams without thinking about Kyron Williams? I mean, that's the easy comp, and I kind of feel ashamed to step on O'Malley's toes here. I mean, this is this is his guy. I'm surprised we don't see, like, a fathead on, on his background there or something like that, him in the background. But I almost you know, put him in this is, class as my highest-ranked player in the 23 class. <laughs> Why did he sneak in your 23 rankings? Um, yeah, Aeneas, O'Malley's got an extra guy on his list. What's going on? It's super here? weird. It's super weird. I didn't even know it. Scoop. Um, no, man, there's so much to like about him. It's a clear comp was, was Kyron Williams. And you talk to him very similar, like extremely smart. Um, it's just, a he's a great interview. And I even asked him like how being injured this year, like how, how that kind of changed his mentality and it kind of made him appreciate the game more and, you know, appreciate Notre Dame more. And that kind of helped to influence his decision. But, um, and I just remember Kyron saying similar things, like just 
really, really smart. And I like those kind of football players and I like those kind of running backs. He's going to be patient. He's going to be poised. Um, he's going to be smart coming out of the backfield and he can do it all, man. There's just, there's so much to like about Aeneas's game. I actually don't necessarily agree with where we have him ranked. Um, I know that size isn't, you know, his forte in terms of like height and he's not Jeremiah Love, but uh, he's strong, he's thick, uh, compact. And, uh, you know, we have him 240 in the country. And I just, I think that's way too low. I think, I think that's way too low too. Yeah. But time will tell. He'll, yeah, he'll probably move up. Tim O'Malley, I'll give you a chance to gush about Aeneas Williams and we'll go back <laughs> to the class of 2023. Because I think when I see him in the open field, what I thought of was um, Will Shipley. The running style was mm -hmm. in the open field. Now, when it comes to, physicality and taking on guys you, you think more Kyron Williams yeah and I think the speed is probably more of a Kyron Williams than Will Shipley thing we just start yeah throwing, he's not as fast he's not as fast as yeah, guy, yeah right? he's not as fast as Shipley no no he's, he's not. not I I just think he has good good enough hands to the point where I was like man is he working out with the wide receivers for a reason because he seems too short for that but I, I think he's just a really the modern running back I don't I don't care about his size at all because I also don't think running backs usually are getting 25 carries anymore so 13 carries for Aeneas Williams, six catches for Aeneas Williams. Janarian Price is in there with him. Jeremiah Love is in there with him. I, I just think he's a tremendous addition to the class. Uh, and now you just have to hold on to him for 13 months. That's always easy. Kevin Sinclair, you 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 talk, you were talking earlier about Kenny Minchie, and, and we've all talked about the accuracy of that kid. And you know, when mm -hmm. you add it all up and everybody was disappointed, Dante Moore didn't come here or go there or stay there or but like when you add it all up, I, I mean, Moore's a better prospect, but is Kenny Minchie a guy whose mindset is better and dialed in and somebody that you may have ended up getting, you may end up getting more productivity out of him than somebody rated higher? Yeah, well, you know, when we do this <clears throat> ranking the, the commits every year, I always start by watching all of their film one by one and looking over it and with Minchie, I think, you know, to me, it's it's kind of simple. There's the way I see it is from going from high school to college is sort of two things that are super important in terms of a quarterback actually getting on the field and playing and making an impact. And number one, accuracy, 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 super important. You either have it or you don't. And it's hard to, you know, improve on that. There's some natural components to that. And then number two is, is just the mental part of it there. Um, you know, can they stay calm and poised? Can they, you know, overcome adversity, put plays behind them? Can they pick up the offense? Can they read, uh, you know, the defensive backfield coverages, all those things. And from everything, and I'm Tom, I'm sure you can speak to it too, but from everything we've heard about him and talking to people who know him, that's one of his strong points. Very, very bright, mature, poised, loves the game, works, 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 quiet, observant type kid. So anyways, combining those two things, accuracy sure seems like he's he's got that. And then that whole mental aspect, I love it. And then I just think he has some really good natural talent. And Tom, I know you talked to some of his, you know, his trainers and things like that. Does, does that sort of add up to, to what you've heard too? Yeah, hundred percent. And I was talking to Thomas Morris over at QB Country, and he said he said exactly what I think Reese said yesterday um, when we were talking to him, just about how much this guy loves football, and um, he's all about X's and O's, and he's just dialed in at all times, and that's that's his focus. And and I know 
when, when Reese is evaluating quarterbacks and he puts these guys through this, this test, because there's been a lot of good quarterbacks that have come through and camped and they didn't offer. And, you know, there'd be moments where he just, you know, whether it's questioning a kid, love for football, love for the game, or, you know, how he's going to fit in the room with the other guys. And with, with Kenny, I mean, there was, there was no question that he was a, a great fit because they would have, they'd have had this one done early, but, you know, Kenny was pretty locked in with Pitt and that's where he wanted to be. And, um, you know, he's the one who kind of reached back out and, and communicated with Notre Dame. So um, uh, it's a great fit. And the guys at QB country rave about Minchie and his upside, his potential, and think that Notre Dame landed one of the top three to five quarterbacks in the entire country. Um, there's still a couple that I would, that I like a little bit more Jackson Arnold being one. I do think Dante Moore uh, would, would have been uh, somebody I ranked higher as well. And, and Nico over at Tennessee, but um, I think Minchie for how things got crazy in this class at quarterback, I think we're going to look back and just realize how big of a pickup this is because when you, when you add him to a room with Steve Angeli, who I like a great deal as well. And then obviously CJ Carr in 24. I mean, that's, that's a, that's a strong room um, mm-hmm. over the next couple of years. And obviously whatever they do in the portal. O'Malley and I were there the other day when, when, uh, when Steve Angeli said that he, that he thinks you can control accuracy, that you can improve accuracy, which I mean, every quarterback works on that. I'm not sure that I'm not sure how to agree or disagree with that, because I think that's kind of a inbred thing at a certain point, once you've determined your release point and how you throw the football. Uh, but it's interesting. And Minchie can certainly throw it very accurately. Tom, I want to go back to you because you had Armel Mukum rated the highest by far amongst us. And I think we all understand that he's a, you know, great piece of clay that could be molded, but I think it's going to take a lot of time. Uh, I think everybody realizes that Nordame realizes that what prompted you to put Mukum up, I think right around the middle of the class. Yeah. I just like him. Yeah. I had him at 12 and um, I just think down the road, it's going to prove to be a pretty, pretty massive flip, but um, again, this is similar to like, I feel pretty confident when I'm evaluating quarterbacks, receivers, maybe even running backs, but when it comes to O-line D-line, I really watch tape. I like a kid. I like a kid. Um, but I kind of want to go to the next level and really talk to guys that have been doing this for years and start reaching out to some defensive coaches, some defensive line coaches, coordinators. And, and again, it could be a case of they've never seen this kid and they throw on the tape tape and they're like, wow, this kid's a really good athlete. Um, he looks like he could play at a high level, whatever. And then they kind of look at him like, how is he ranked in the thousands by, by 24 seven? I'm like, he's, he's new to the radar. Like no need to take shots, but, um, they just kind of like, they see the upside. And then obviously our guys caught on too. And, you know, again, coming from speaking to other coaches, they think this was a steal for Notre Dame. Um, he's obviously a great fit in terms of just the academic side He's looking for the blend uh, of both sides, but, um, I don't know. I just look at the tape, trust the eval of other people that are, I respect a great deal. And I'm going to ride with that, but this kid looks athletic. He's a playmaker. He's quick off the edge. And um, I don't know, just to me, it kind of his film popped. And like, I know I, mean, I wanted to say it earlier when O'Malley was talking about Rico Flores, like the reason I have him a little lower is just because like, it doesn't jump out to me. Like it doesn't pop. Like I don't see a difference, difference maker, you know, maybe in time, but like right away, Whereas Mukum, I just see like he's going to be a force along the defensive line. So I don't know. It's uh, I could be completely off on this, but yeah, I, I got high hopes for him. And Tommy, actually, you and I are in accordance on floors too. It's not that I don't. Li- it's not that I don't like him. Right, right. When I when I look at the other receivers, 
Uh, although I do think that he took a significant step up athletically as a senior, and I and I know he worked really hard at 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 uh, at doing that and improving that. Tim O'Malley, I want to jump back to you, and and for all you guys, let's let's talk a little offensive line here, and maybe where we think these guys are going to end up. There is not a there's not a left tackle in this group. Anybody disagree with me there? I don't think there's a left tackle in this group. There's a bunch of guards. Um, and I, and I think that, um, Charles Jagerson, you know, is a right tackle, especially within this group. Um, Sullivan Absher is a big dude, a big, strong, physical dude. Um, but kind of looks like a guard. I mean, I think in some respects, Jagasa looks like a, a guard too. Um, and then of course we've already talked about Pendleton and Tarek. Tarek's a, Tarek's a project and Odding's a project. Uh, I'm, I'm prattling on here, but Tim O'Malley, go ahead and jump in. I think, uh, I mean, Jagas is going to be a right tackle, but you make a good point. He might be, a, he might be better at guard, but he has been recruited with what I think are, a center and three guards. So that's why he's going to be a right tackle. Yeah. If you want to, if you want to break down reality, that's kind of what looks like it's <laughs> going to happen. Um, yeah. It's, you certainly don't look at it. Like when you saw Joe Alton, Blake Fisher come in and we got to quit referencing Joe Alton, Blake Fisher, because they're so good, but those were tackled prospects. Even if they didn't become good players, they were tackled. Prospects. I said Fisher was a guard. He could be the best guard in America next year if he decides to play next to Joe Alt. I'm just throwing that out there anyway. But, you know, and like Tosh Baker was a tackle prospect. So I think you're spot on by saying these are guard prospects mostly. Jagasa could be a great guard, I think, because of the breakup of the roster. He will play tackle. Just and as an aside. Tackle. Yeah, just as an aside, would you all agree that the highest upside for Blake Fisher is right guard? Hmm. He might be on to something there. I, but you, but you would have to, you would have to find a, a, a right tackle that's better than him, I guess, and I'm not sure who that would be. Tom Loy, what do you think about that? I mean, I, I that one's tough. I just, I don't know. I've always been, I kind of always leaned your way um, with the guard talk, and then obviously he's he's done pretty well for himself as a tackle. So <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, he's, I just think he's, he's a really good offensive line. No, man. he really is, and he could if he they can keep a right tackle, and he will continue. Yeah. They, <laughs> They, they, well, that I think there's your, there's my point there. I think they're, they're going to, if they keep a right tackle, he's going to be a great right tackle at Notre Dame probably for one more season and then he'll, yeah. he, he may turn pro. But, I, but right guard, I think it could be when we talk about best guard in America, which none of us really know because we don't see everybody. But I think either way, there's a lot of guards of the 23 class. Right. No, no, no doubt. No doubt about it. No doubt about I it. I just think that if the portal opened up and you, they're like, you know, somebody hits the portal and you just say, okay, this kid's a clear tackle. He's one of the best in America and he loves Notre Dame. Welcome him in. Let him come play a lot opposite Joe Walt. And you can, you can, Fisher's that guy that can just play all over the place. No doubt. And, and that's what I love about him. So not saying they're doing that, but just, yeah. yeah. When I see Joe Otting run in the open field, when you see Joe Otting pull and get in the open field, you understand why Harry Heastan reacted the way he did. Now, watching his senior film, you know, I'm a stickler for <laughs> when it comes to like offensive linemen, you can't block anybody when you're on the ground. And I, th I thought I saw him on the ground too much. If you're a dominant offensive lineman in high school, you really don't have to go to the ground very often. You can usually get rid of your of the defensive lineman. I thought he was doing that a little too much. The film that I saw of his senior year, 
but I see his ability to to run. Uh, Tim O'Malley. No, I agree with you when you said when you see his ability out there, and also you see the obvious position where he has a chance to compete in three years for a starting role because he's he's a center. It's kind of like when Mustaford joined, and you immediately knew he was going to become a center, and it took a few years, but then he had. And he's a better athlete, I think, than Sam. It's just sometimes when you can predict the position clearly, I fall into the trap, whether I should do this or not, as ranking him higher than the guy that I don't know if he's a guard or whatever he's going to be. And so that's why I think I had Odding at 19. I had him higher than um, Tarek and Pendleton. And it's just because I look at it and I see, I know what they want from him. This is what his career path is. Kevin, have you ever... Have you, I don't know that I've seen a guy or I can't, I, I can't think of one off the top of my head, but I've got 40 years to, to forget. So um, the improvement of Christopher Tarek from his junior year to his senior, when I, I made the mistake of watching his junior film first. Right. And I was like, what are we, t- what are we talking about here? Mm-hmm. But yeah. he, he lost weight. He, he, he gave himself the ability to move and run. And he's a physical player, and he's got a quick first step. He's got a long way to go. So does Odding. Um, but what what are your thoughts on him? Well, I mean, to your point, you know, from his junior to senior years, there's a major change, right? And what that tells me is he knew what his weaknesses were, and he got serious about attacking those, and he improved a great deal. He dropped a bunch of weight and he's bending better. He can play high. His big thing is he plays too high too often. You can get away with that in high school when you're 310, 320 pounds and you're just mauling kids. But I think it speaks to, you know, obviously his work ethic and that, but I think he's a guard. And like you said, he's a project, but he's a big, strong kid and size matters. It really does. You know, if you're under 300 pounds, we saw what that meant for guys like Zeke Coral and others who were, you know, just, just simply too small. But I think in the broader uh, sense here with this offensive line, I think the conversation we were having about tackles could prove to be a really important one. And here's why, you know, that you look at the 2022 and 2023 classes and you look at the tackles they signed, you look at Blake Fisher and Joe Alt. you know, I, I'm certain Joe Alt is a guy who could leave after three seasons, but last cycle, Emil Wagner, I think you know, I heard good feedback about him. He's got to add size. And then Ty Chan was the two tackles. I think Chan could prove to be a guard. We'll see. And then you look at this class, Charles Jagas, Sullivan, Absher, again, guys who are tackles could prove to be guards. Absher is really difficult to evaluate for two reasons. Number one, he played North Carolina 3A ball, which is a lower division, and he's, you know, competing against guys who are, you know, like 100 pounds less than him on almost every snap. And then two, he ran in a as old school ground and pound running game option offense as you can find. It's basically like watching Navy if Navy threw the ball way less. That's the kind of like offense he comes from. So <laughs> pass blocking yeah. film, there, there really isn't any. And so getting a read on how likely is it that he's going to play tackle is impossible. But my point is, if Ty Chan proves to be a guard, if Absher and <laughs> or Jagasov proves to be guards too, they're going to be short at tackle. So that might be a big priority in 2024, but we'll see. I want to make sure that we touch upon everybody here and I see that we still have some a ways to go here, but Tom, I'm going to throw it to you. And I, and I think there's a tendency, I will admit there's a, certainly a tendency with me that when a guy, a guy commits early and we watch his film and I, you know, we, 
we gush about them and then a so many other film reviews come after that and so many other verbal commitments come and my, I'm, I'm leading to safety of Don Schuler, who was uh, of course, one of the, the, the earliest commitments, but what is, what is Notre Dame? What do you see in him? What, what is Notre Dame like about him? Yeah, that was another one that they were uh, pretty surprised and, and I was surprised. And I think Kevin would agree as well as to where he's ranked. Um, I kind of stood on the table of that one. and I thought he should have been in our top two, four, seven. I don't really understand it. Super productive player, um, just a really good athlete. He's sideline to sideline. There's just so much to like about that kid, and he looks good, physically strong. Um, he's bigger than like Peyton Bowen. I remember seeing that picture, slightly bigger. Uh, I don't know. There's just nothing about him that really screams a lot of weaknesses about his game. Um, again, projecting, I see a draft pick, which should get him in the top 247. So uh, that was a little surprising, a little disappointing, but. Um, and again, I mean, I don't know if he could eventually pack it a bunch of weight and move to linebacker. Um, I think he'd be, he's just a, he's just a bad dude, man. I, I really think he's, uh, arguably probably the best player in Jersey this year. And those guys usually pan out pretty well. So pretty excited about that kid. And, and, uh, yeah, that's why I have him in my top 10. Yeah. Love is love is physicality. There's no doubt that that's a big part of his game. I don't know that he can grow into linebacker size. I don't see that per se, but no. You know, time will tell. Uh, you, you get a, you know, I don't, I, I, I'm not at a lot of these events. And as everybody knows, you know, in person, <laughs> I mean, supersedes anything that you can see on film. Now, Tim O'Malley, um, Michael Bell's the fastest guy in the class. Dylan Edwards is not in this class. You guys agree with me, right? He's the fastest. Yeah, he is not in this class, correct. No, no, I mean Michael <laughs> Bell being the fastest. <laughs> Thank you very much. I appreciate that. I told uh, in our previous podcast uh, where I, I was in a crowd of people when I found out that Dylan Edwards was decommitting from Notre Dame and the crowd of people heard my reaction to that. <laughs> but, Tim, but, uh, but, but Tim, um, Michael Bell, I mean, I think, you know, speed guy transition to corner, you know, the transition there is significant, but how do you see his career unfolding? Cause he is, He's blazing fast, and there's no doubt that Brian Mason's going to be yeah. reaching for him on his special teams. He is such a weapon, and not it would not be a shock to see him end up playing both sides of the ball at some point. I don't mean simultaneously. I mean playing offense and playing defense um, in different seasons. He's just, in fact, when I when Marcus Freeman said yesterday the word offense, I I was kind of like, wait, did he just say that we're moving? About, but he didn't say that. I had to go no. back and listen again. It was yeah. he just mentioned he could play offense. I really like doing the, uh, that kid's depth chart impact because I wasn't even sure. You know, of course, I I asked Tom. I was like, oh, I got to slot him at corner, right? And Tom's like, yep. So I just decided to slot him at corner, at wide receiver, at running back, and at special teams in all different categories. It was it was just fun to write about him because they don't. That is a true weapon of some type there is always a challenge now of how to use him and cornerback is the hardest I know he can be the highest upside but it's the hardest because he probably has the most to learn playing that at the college level and you have to be physically strong enough look Jaden Mickey did not look small until he looked small right yeah when he was playing against those guys and I can see him looking a little smaller when he's out there against college receivers so it's going to be a lot on Mike Mickens to see where Bell finishes his career rather than starts. Yeah. And I think, I think it's a tough, you know, for a guy that fast, it's a tough mindset to be in a backpedal. I mean, it's kind of, right. it's, it's counter to what you've, you've been as a kid growing up, you're running away from everybody. Kevin, I want to, I'm 
kind of I'm intrigued by Preston Zinter. I think I don't know if we're unanimous on this guy's across the board in thinking that his upside is greater at tight end, but that's not the way Notre Dame's thinking. They're thinking linebacker. Man, I saw I saw some senior film where I saw him coming off the edge and I thought, is that a strong side defensive end? I don't think he's going to be big enough ultimately for that. But how, how do you see uh, Preston Zinner's career unfolding at Notre Dame? Yeah, I know what you mean sort of with that defensive end thing, almost similar like Josh Burnham where we kind of wondered that about him. Right. They kind of both have that like broad shoulders, really long arms, big hands, like the, that length. Um, I've said it a, a, quite a few times, if there anyone reads my reporting, but he kind of reminds me of a, a bit more athletic version of Greer Martini. You know, Martini was like that, you know, six, two and a half to six, three, two thirty, um, blue collar, really good against the, against the option and that sort of thing. Peyton, um, sorry, Preston Zinter, um, reminds me of that. I think he has a, I'm, I'm totally with you. And I think I wrote that and I wrote it in one of my recent, you know, our recent signing date sort of breakdowns. I still really like him in that like H back receiving tight end role. You know, he's a great blocker as well. He's got these huge hands where I watched a lot of his senior year and he jumped a, you know, several times. He jumped routes, you know, slants, um, crossing routes and made these great interceptions. He doesn't miss when he, when he jumps routes. So I think he's got some pretty good pass coverage ability there too. Stout in the box. I think he's probably a Mike linebacker, but again, I, I think that Greer Martini is a pretty good player comparison. But again, Tim, I agree with you completely on the sort of H back, you know, receiving tight end stuff as well, almost like a Jack Larson. Tom, go ahead. I was going to say on that same note, like when you, that's a good point about Preston and talking about him rushing off the edge. Like it's funny when I watch Drake Bowen, when, I, when whenever he is lined yes. up on the edge and he gets after the quarterback and it's like, it, I don't know. Like, I just love him there and I, he never has any issues getting to the quarterback. So ideally we see that from him at the next level. I just give me that all day long because he yeah. is mm-hmm. violent. He's an excellent pass rusher time. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. T.O. Yeah. First of all, Tom, I think, do you have one more thing to say about Micah Bell? It looked like you were trying to get our attention. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, right. Yeah. I don't want to, like, let's just not overthink this. Like, Georgia, pretty good at defense. They pushed <laughs> really hard to get him down the stretch into their, uh, you know, into the recruiting class, and they really wanted him. So let's not overthink it too much. Like, Micah Bell is going to be a stud on defense. Well, no, I agree. And I, and no, yeah. there's no doubt, there's no doubt that his mirroring ability on that side of the ball is impressive, yeah. but we all know that. They get it, you know, like we have this impression. Then we we go to the first day of practice. It's like, oh my God, that kid's got a lot. You know, there's a, the, the learning curve. He'll be swimming like, in his uniform too, probably. Like he's super yeah. lean, but it's yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. Question for you, Tom. Highest upside among the whiteouts. Is it Braille? Is it Braylon James? Yeah, I mean, I think that's if we're talking about just pure upside and potential, I think it's definitely Braylon James. But if we're talking about Who's going to be the most productive? Who's going to be considered the best during their career at Notre Dame? In my opinion, I think it's going to be Jaden Greathouse. Yeah, I'm, I'm I have Greathouse is the highest. He and Merriweather were fourth in their classes, and that's the highest in the last uh, five years for wide receivers. Would you guys read this ranking? Would you guys agree with this? Jade, of let's just say those three: James, Greathouse, Flores. Greathouse and Flores are the most sort of developed and closer to being ready to play at a school like Notre Dame than James, but James has the best upside of the three. I agree. That's kind of how I look at it. Yes. Yeah. No, I agree with that. 
And then Caleb Smith, Caleb Smith's ability to change directions without the slightest hint that he's about to do it. I think it's, is, I, I just, you rarely ever see that skill in a player. And I, and I think that that's, that's really interesting, but we've talked about him and I do want to hit, we really haven't talked about Christian gray. Have we Tim? What, what are your thoughts on Christian gray? Yeah, I, I ranked Gray ahead of Bell because uh, I do like the polish at corner. And once again, I think I'm kind of probably stuck on the Benjamin Morrison thing here. When a freshman's polished and long-armed and physical and knows how to play corner, he's better at corner than anyone that <laughs> athlete they can throw back there for a couple of years. That that and I think Gray can come in, not be Benjamin Morrison because we can't compare everybody to Joe Alton, Benjamin Morrison from now on that comes yeah. to Notre Dame. But yeah, if you know if you look up and say, up. Oh, Christian Gray, he he took over for someone at corner. I could see that. That's yeah. what I when you have to rank that guy higher. I'm sorry, Tom. He's, he's just Tom, so polished. Tom yeah, Christian I mean, Gray. Yeah, big fan. Uh, when I saw him in Atlanta at a seven on seven tournament, is when it really like popped for me that I was actually watching him play corner. Great, he was shut down. Whatever. I liked him a ton at safety because he is so instinctive. He sees things happen before it even before they happen. Um, love that about him, which I also like that transition transition to corner uh, and translate into corner, I should say. And uh, yeah, he's 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 going to be a dude. Love his mindset. Mm-hmm. If you look at the videos that Notre Dame produced, it, it was all about others around him and yeah. what they mean to him. Uh, and it's refreshing to hear those kind of things when you're when you're anxiously anticipating a guy picking a hat up from a table yesterday. Last two guys, unless I've missed somebody. I'm going to start with you, Kevin. Uh, you've I know you've watched a ton of Ben Ben Minnick. Mm-hmm. Boy, he's undersized. Um, I said, and I, I'm not I'm not necessarily making a direct comparison to Kyle McCarthy. He's smaller than McCarthy. I think it's going to be really difficult for him because he's he's listed five eleven, which means he's probably a little bit less than that. But man, the kid is a his instincts are great. He's a hitter. He's a playmaker. He's all over the field in high school. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, you guys may have saw it on Twitter yesterday. For every player who signed, I posted like about a one-minute clip yep. of highlights. And those were the best highlights that I could find of all the film I have on all of them. And with Minnick, he might have been the most difficult to j- narrow down only one minute. There was so <laughs> many plays. And it was interceptions and incredibly breaking up passes in incredible fashion I love his open field tackling. And now to your point about the size, what's his open field tackling going to look like at Notre Dame when he's tackling a 220 pound running back, that's going to be the challenge. But um, I spent a bunch of time talking with his coaches as well. And they all speak about him that, that he just has next level intelligence to the point where he was injured and out for a game where they were playing like a, a, almost like a, a one win team or something and his defensive coordinator was legitimately concerned, even though they're greatly more talented, because Ben wasn't going to be on the field to get everyone lined up. And he knows not just his job, he knows everyone's job and he's vocal. And then he just he has the speed. He has the speed to keep up the receivers deep. He just has something special mentally and instinctively about him. And then he just has that speed and he finishes, made so many plays on the ball. He was their punter. And if there would be a you know bad snap or bad rush, he would so often just run it for a touchdown. And um, they put him in at receiver and he would just score these long touch. And he was just a playmaker, straight up playmaker. And again, he's going to prove to be, in my opinion, probably one of the most intelligent 
and instinctive kids in the class. Although he lacks the physical components, I think he can overcome a lot of that just with what I explained. You know, one more, one more guy to mention, and then maybe, maybe uh, I've cut you guys off. I haven't let everybody talk about, uh, you know, each individual we've talked about. Maybe somebody that you want to bring up. But the last guy, I don't think that we've said a whole lot about Devin Houston. Um, good sized kid, Canadian. Um, you know, I think versatile. I think he can play a couple different positions. He's got, he has good size, good height. I should say. Is he a nose tackle? Is he a three? Does he, mm. Kevin? I think you had talked about in a three-man front. He might. He, he's a guy that that you, you know you could you bump outside in a three-man. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see because I I asked him a little while ago. I'd watched one of his games like a live stream, and he looked a lot bigger. I asked him. I said, well, you know, how big are you right now? He said six four and a half, two hundred eighty-three pounds. That was about two months ago. So is he going to grow to? you know, 305, 310 pounds, or is he going to be a bit more streamlined at like 275? I I brought it up before. If he's, you know, let's say he sticks in that 275, 285 range. Maybe he's sort of like a taller, longer Myron Tegovaloa Mosa. He's an inside guy who can play a bit on the edge in three-nine fronts. Uh, It's really tough to say with how he grows, but I'll say this. One thing that stood out to me most when I watched him this season is, you know, He's he was from Canada and then he moved down there. hasn't been in the U.S. very long, but like his technique, his footwork, some of the spin moves he has, really nice, like polished, you know, well rehearsed spin moves and different passes. Anyways, his technique and his his fundamentals are way more developed than I expected them to be. You know, a lot of times kids from Canada they're so far behind the eight ball compared to, um, you know, high school players in in America that, you know, they're still having to work on those things when they get to college because they're just not there. But he's his technique is sharp, and he's got this spin move. I'm telling you, it's it's impressive. It's good with his hands. He's added size. I like him. Tom, anybody else you want to emphasize a little bit more? Um, I was just going to say on, on Devin, like I just like the fact that he's a, a two-way guy, and he could have, you know, early projections where he might be an offensive lineman. Mm-hmm. plays defense, plays basketball. I mean, I mean, he's just a really good athlete, but um, big, strong, physical kid. So um, he's got a profile that, like Kevin said, he he, he has a chance to be a good one. Um, no, I, I feel pretty good about it. Like I said, very high on Great House, Minchie. Um, it's a good class, man. I know that there's a lot of anger and frustration over losing Peyton Bowen. And, and yes, if he would have signed, it would have been the greatest recruiting class for Notre Dame in the modern rankings history. And that have been massive. That'd be, I think they'd be number five right now overall. And that would have been awesome. And, and yesterday would have been incredible, man. But you're taking one guy away from the rest of this class. This was by far the hardest class for me to rank top to bottom. Um, it's 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 a terrific group heading to Notre Dame. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think we're sitting at that press conference yesterday, and you you can like you can kind of feel feel the the cloud over the room because of the the Bowen stuff, but you know, Marcus Freeman did a, you know, great job of emphasizing who, uh, you know, why they're so excited. And I'm, and, and of course they're, they're extremely disappointed. They're feeling some of the same emotions that everybody else is in that instance, but Notre Dame did a really good job here. Tim, anybody else, anybody you want to, uh, give a last shout out to here? You know, it's probably Drake Bowen because he's kind of like, like Marcus Freeman did. I thought it was ironic or maybe absolutely intentional that he started by talking about a Bowen to begin his uh, press conference yesterday. But Bowen is a guy where I, I know we've turned to everybody in the world. It's like orange is the new black vipers the uh, you know, vipers, the old Rover, everybody's turning to a viper. Now <laughs> I like what Tom said. when you see these guys 
when every time he comes off the edge, it looks good. I just, I just like Drake Bowen, the football player. And look, he, this is how good this class is. Uh, he's the second highest rated linebacker for me in the class. Like, I really, yeah, I know you, believe, you yeah. love, yeah, you love Osbury. I and love I feel Osbury. like I, I, and I do too, cause he's a great hitter. And I feel like I, you know, I mean, no matter all, all of us, no matter how we rank these guys, you walk away from them and say, ah, I shortchanged him. I sure. Yeah. But, yeah. but, you, but it's unavoidable. You can't, you, you can't do it. But I mean, I think you could argue that Drake Bowen's the best player in the class. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. I was just going to say one quick thing before you jump to Kevin sure. about, about Drake, like, and covering this and doing this for such such a long time, this is by far, it's not close, the hardest working commit to help build a class, bring guys together um, that I've ever seen. I know Blake Fisher got a lot of love and he was you know, called the mayor and whatnot, but and he did a great job. It is not close to what Drake Bowen has done to build this class, keep his class together. He has worked tirelessly on Peyton Bowen down the stretch. Adon Schuler as well doesn't get enough love, but Drake Bowen, I mean... I cannot say enough about how hard he worked. And that was something that Marcus Freeman and those guys definitely appreciate. Well, and, and I'll, I'll wrap it up with this interesting, interesting thing at the conclusion of, of talking to the head coach and two coordinators yesterday was we talked to the baseball coach, Sean Stifler, who is going to have um, Drake Bowen on his baseball team, or at least that is the initial thought. And I just wonder how that that's, it's one thing if he's a pitcher, it's another thing. He's either going to be a corner outfielder or a, corner infielder it's another thing to be you know a position player so that's going to be a a really difficult balance here Bowen's first commitment of course is to football but we'll see how that all transpired Tim O'Malley Kevin Sinclair Tom Loy I'm Tim Priester this has been Irish Illustrated Insider <laughs>